Stephen Hawking discovered that actually energy comes out of the black hole. That's right. Something very, can get very, out. very slowly. So the question, the what the if here, what the if, in honor of <laughs> Professor Stephen Hawking, may he rest in peace and calculate forever. What if Hawking, we turned up the Hawking radiation. What if we mm-hmm. could turn up Hawking radiation with, like, with a dial to super, super high? We might lose all our black holes. They, they could go extinct. Right. All the black holes in the universe disappear. And so now suddenly we're faced with, you didn't pay attention to them before. <laughs> Einstein didn't even think they would actually existed. So what are we taking for granted? with these black holes what are they doing for us yeah (laughs) (laughs) what have they done for us lately what have black holes ever done for us we are what the if where if you didn't figure it out yet we take one thing and we change it about the universe and then we explore and this is how we do it every week Good afternoon, Matt. Good afternoon, Philip. Seems a little unsettling to say afternoon instead of good morning. Right. We're, uh, we're at an unusual recording at an unusual time this week. Uh, I, I can't remember why. But, <laughs> <laughs> but now that we're here, let's do it. I don't have a hangover, so it wasn't anything big like uh, that. Didn't seem right. Yeah. Okay. yeah. But tonight... <laughs> Maybe tonight, after tonight, tonight. it will be because it's pie day. Woo! It'll be pie night. I think pie night, at night pie is more irrational even than in the day. Well, that's an interesting question, actually. If you're willing to sit down and keep saying out the digits, then yeah. Yeah, that's true. Boy, if you start in the morning, somebody must be doing this. Somebody must have started this very second? Yeah, probably. The, yeah, this morning at least and start count, start reading or one of those guys who can do it from memory, the numbers of pi. When did Pi Day start? Because it, it's a fairly recent Yeah, it seems thing. like the last several years maybe. Yeah. And it just so happens to be Einstein's birthday as well. Yeah, it's convenient, doesn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> and sadly, last night... And early this morning, we got the news that Stephen Hawking had passed away. Sad news. Had you um, ever seen him live or met him or anything? I had not. Um, but you've got a great story about that, yeah? I did, yeah. I, uh, I put the full story on Twitter. What the If Show is our account on Twitter. I encourage you to go there. Also on Facebook, What the If. Yeah, you don't get special names on Facebook. Just you got to figure it out. Um, yeah. But yeah, I posted the story of when um, the wonderful uh, physicist Clifford Johnson, who's also a professor at USC and was in the same Einstein documentary that you were in, um, had invited me out there when um, Stephen Hawking had come to give a lecture, and there was like a dinner, you know, private dinner beforehand, and so I got to go have soup with <laughs> Stephen Hawking. I. Uh, he had a nurse helping him. Uh, nobody helped me. I had to do it on my own. Did, did you ask? <laughs> I should have. I should have. <laughs> I don't think I could have afforded her rate. 
<laughs> she may have been married to him. I can't remember if this was during the time he was married to his nurse. Uh, yes, right. Yeah, depend on the exact timing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was an amazing, it was an amazing experience. The the, the uh, you can read the full story there on Twitter or Facebook. But uh, the one moment that just blew me away was when he turned around the first time, and I just said I had come to see him. I had flown from New York actually to go specifically to see him, and I told him that. And his face, like, you know, would usually look kind of contorted and not not a lot of motion in it. He turned to me full on and looked at me and just gave the biggest smile, nice. which I didn't know he could do. <laughs> um, yeah, it was amazing. And, and other people then, when I was telling people this story, they, people who knew him said, oh, yeah, that smile is legendary. And if you are not in an intellectual battle with him, as I surely was not, uh, <laughs> uh, that smile could be the, the gateway to some mischief. Or yeah, prank. he was a notorious prankster. We're not used to thinking about our scientific idols that way, but yeah. loved it. Yeah. Or frankly, people in wheelchairs could be mischievous. <laughs> um, and certainly not people with... Uh, you know, the version, he had ALS. ALS, yeah. Um, but yeah, amazing, amazing. And I got to see his, uh, how his uh, little um, speech synthesizer thing worked. And mm -hmm. I was fixated on that, uh, watching as the word, he would pick the words. And it was basically like a predictive text kind of thing. Oh, right. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I can't remember how long ago this dinner was. I think we had iPhones, but I'm not sure we had the whole predictive text wasn't as common a thing as it is now uh, it was pretty cool so uh, in honor of pi day and einstein and mostly professor hawking i thought we would do an if we would if one of stephen hawking's most famous discoveries mm. theories and it is now, I only know the name, and I saw, what was the movie about him recently? Uh, oh, right. Um, the, the biopic. Yeah. I saw that. <laughs> I saw, it's been a while, I should watch it again, the uh, fantastic Errol Morris documentary. Mm -hmm. That's really good. About him, uh, titled by the same num name as his book, um, Stephen Hawking's famous book, uh, Brief History of Time. Brief History of Time, yeah. And it's called Hawking Radiation. Yeah, that's right. Um, Hawking radiation. First of all, that's just a badass name. Badass name. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can totally imagine, uh, you know, a Star Trek episode where they're like, Captain, the Hawking radiation is penetrating the hull. <laughs> yeah. Right? That totally sounds like it could be a disaster. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So. Um, so Haw actually, it's much more mellow than that. It's mellow. It's yeah. mellow radiation. It's a mellow thing. Like, like Stephen Hawking himself, perhaps, seemed, seems quiet. Mm -hmm. But Perhaps underneath so. boils with mischief. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a, um, and you know, you, you uh, a moment ago, you're deciding whether to say he discovered it or theorized it. And that's actually kind of a complicated thing to answer with, with theorists like Hawking, because very often you come up with good ideas that you'll never see, right? I don't know if any human being is ever going to see Hawking radiation. Oh, really? That's uh, even, so that's something we, haven't been able to detect. Right. Um, it's, uh, so as I said, it's extremely mellow. So the um, Hawking radiation comes out of uh, a problem 
that Hawking and friends are pondering, I guess some decades ago now, uh, which is essentially, are black holes hot? Are black holes hot? Yeah. Interesting. Um, and there's a few different ways you can approach the problem, but one of them, so you've got your black hole chilling out um, and a star comes by and the black hole eats the star. Mm, delicious. A lot, right? uh, there's a lot of thermal energy in that star. So one of the questions you might ask is where did all that thermal energy go? And normally the, the answer to something like that, if I, if I just take a star and I stick it in my backpack, it's that my backpack gets hot. Right. But then, but can black holes be hot? It's not, it's not at all obvious that that's a thing. Um, Mm. and so, you know, the, the, the main property of a black hole is that it's black, right? Right. Yeah. And nothing can get out of it. But if something is hot, now it's it black, to, actually black meaning invisible, right? Um, yes. Yeah, that's right. So no, no light can escape it. We like to say. Right. So it is. Okay. Right. Yeah. You can't see through it. It's not like dark matter. It is not like dark matter. Right. right. Um, right. I should say black holes are a, a candidate to solve some of the problems we need black matter or dark matter to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a different conceptual kind of thing. Right. Um, so the problem is if you, when something is hot, it gives off radiation. And that's not to say that, you know, your, your stove element is um, shooting out neutrons that are going to kill you or something like that. Right. Um, but rather this is radiation in the, in the very general sense that uh, physicists talk about it, which is essentially light. Okay. Hmm. Um, and that shouldn't be a surprise, right? When you heat something up, it, it gives off light. Right. And he- heat is just light at a lower spectrum. Right. Infrared usually. Right. Um, so when you, um, you know, the, when you stick the, your iron poker into the fire, it heats up to reddish colors. Right. right. And then as it gets hotter, um, the color it glows will move towards the blue end of the spectrum until eventually you can't see it anymore. Right. turns into ultraviolet or x-rays or something like right. that. So it's red. It starts out red as it gets hotter and hotter. It turns, it goes through the spectrum. Right. And then but then it, it goes the other, it goes the other way too, that as it's, as it cools off, right. it's still going giving off radiation, but it's that wavelength that your eyes can't see. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so this is the kind of a, I find this to be a um, important kind of paradigm shift. If you imagine, so wherever you're sitting right now, uh, every object that you can see is radiating at you. Mm. Okay. So for me, that's the desk in front of me, the microphone, the wall, the door, um, Ooh, this cool. pile of books that I need to read that I haven't read yet. Right. Uh, Those are because, definitely radiating guilt, <laughs> guilt waves. <laughs> because they have temperature, um, they're giving off a little bit of radiation. So in this case, it would be sort of far infrared waves. So I can't see it. I can't really feel it because it's so small, um, so not intense. But if I had the correct instrument, I could uh, see it quite clearly. Right. Like if you, if you, right, you can, some cameras now have an infrared sensor. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, that's right. Night, so that's night why night vision goggles kind of do that. Precisely right. So the yeah. way night vision goggles, I should say there's two flavors of night vision goggles, right. um, but the infrared variety um, work on exactly this principle. Just since everything around you is giving off a little bit of radiation, if you can look to see that, then you'll, it'll look like you're in a bright room. Right. It's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, uh, uh, so, so, uh, 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 let me just take one step back. Sure. And, and, uh, that is that a black hole was a star. As, as far as we know, that's the only way they're formed. Um, well, they can be formed by other black holes smashing into, they can get two small black holes to smash together to make one bigger black hole, but that's kind of a cheat, right? Because right. they, because the small ones had to come from a star too. Right. As far as we know, space doesn't just have, happen to have holes in it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we don't know because there's a lot out there we don't understand, but the idea is that a black hole was a giant star mm -hmm. larger than our sun. Yeah, probably hundreds or thousands of times larger than mm. our star. Much, much bigger. And when it dies, it collapses. It's a complicated process, but basically it collapses. Um, it, in that process, blows off a lot of its material, but an enormous amount of material remains. And all that material, because there, there's no powerhouse at the center of the star anymore, it's mm -hmm. died. All that material comes together under gravity and, you know, could form if if the process weren't so extreme that could just form like literally a floating dead almost like a dead piece of coal yeah that's right space. so there's um for a star big enough to well essentially there's uh three fates that a star can have uh as it dies the three fates are <laughs> number um, one and it depends it depends on the size of the star right so our star our sun is not particularly large, so it's going to end its life as a white dwarf. Number which is one, just, white. <laughs> which is just kind of a cinder. It's literally just the hot remains of the core of the sun. Right. So not so interesting. Number one, white dwarf. Yeah. Sorry. And then uh, when the stars, if a star is slightly bigger than ours and it collapses, it can form a neutron star, which is this bizarre object where electrons and protons are pushed together. Uh, to make neutronium. Um, and okay. these are, so like pulsars, for instance, are neutron stars that are doing particular things and so on. It's almost like the entire star is one big atom at that point. Yeah, that's right. It's, um, it would be a, a quantum degenerate object, <laughs> which I, I love that term. I can never, it's for years. Uh, whenever I hear that, I think of like an atom sitting, standing on the street corner, smoking a cigarette, with a leather jacket. <laughs> Number two, <laughs> quantum. Number two, neutron star, aka quantum degenerate. <laughs> sounds like sounds like the band in uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Okay. So, so the neutron star holds itself up by this basic quantum mechanical principle that you can't have two things in the same place. Um, but if you push enough matter onto that neutron star such that even that quantum mechanical principle can't keep it up anymore, then you get a black hole. Then you get this, this puckering in space-time, this, uh, this kind of rupture. Right. So, so all the... Uh, number three. Sorry. Yes. Number three. Black hole. Number one, white dwarf. Number two, quantum degenerate. <laughs> <laughs> number three, black hole. Hole, 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 hole. And... That is all the mass, all the matter uh, mm. uh, of the star that's left goes down. First, it becomes like a big ball, then get continue. There's so much of it that the gravity of the entire thing keeps pulling it tighter and tighter yep. that it comes down to the atoms and then keeps 
crushing and keeps crushing yeah. and smashes the entire atom together, removing the empty space and then keeps crushing. So essentially crushes the fundamental pieces of the atoms. So the quark well, down to the quark. That's, um, that, that's actually a very difficult question to answer. Um, probably Nobel Prize worthy is exactly ah. what is the state of matter inside a black hole. This is the um, second all, Nobel Prize I've won, by the way. That's right. <laughs> Keep them coming. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all we can say is that once the the matter gets within a certain uh, radius, a certain size, then um, nothing can escape that radius anymore. Right. So the the atoms get crushed, and what we don't know exactly what what's happening. Whether there's some sort of bizarre sudden transformation from ordinary matter like protons right. and neutrons and electrons protons and neutrons are made up of quarks and it's all getting crushed 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 like in a gigantic vice in a way gravity itself is pulling it all together mm -hmm. down to the center and amazingly rather than just create some even smaller soup or something <laughs> right all that stuff disappears. Well, it disappears in the literal sense that it no longer appears to your eye, right? Oh, uh -huh. <laughs> you can no longer see it, right? So it's there and you can, you know, it's there because it still has very intense gravity. Um, and you could poke it with a stick, which is my usual standard for whether something exists. Ah. Right. Um, very this, long. Very long stick, that's right, because the, the stick would be ripped out of your hands um, and uh, the black hole would get slightly bigger. But now I, I heard stick. that it's a singularity, a point. Mm -hmm. It's at the center. Well, yeah, so this is actually one of the, this is one of the things that Hawking kind of makes his career on. It's this question of whether or not uh -huh. uh, there is a singularity. So singularities... Um, uh, is the, uh, the ultimate sign that physicists have given up okay. <laughs> and this is, this is what i mean by that so when they say the singular this is i know singularity in this yeah. context uh, in mm -hmm. terms of technological development is a totally different oh, yeah, kind totally of different singularity <laughs> but mm -hmm. anytime you hear the expression anytime i hear now hear the expression the singularity is near i'm mm -hmm. just gonna say oh the physicists are about just to giving up, give up. <laughs> so if you took algebra in high school um, yes. you're probably already familiar with a mathematical singularity. Mm. Uh, so that's what you get when you try to divide something by zero. Okay. Yeah, right. So, so that's right. So it's, um, your 10th grade math teacher probably told you that's undefined. Oh, I didn't realize that was, that's yeah. the same as a singularity. That's right. Yeah. So a singularity is a point at which, um, whatever it is you're interested in is no longer defined or it's not calculable anymore right now the way i thought of it was like in geometry you were taught for instance uh there's a point and you take a lot of points together mm -hmm. that becomes a line you get a bunch of lines together it becomes a square yeah. and so forth and so that point that individual point is all that's a singularity as well right yeah, that's right. So singularity is literally just a place where um, <clears throat> the math you're using breaks down. Right. And it, by and the way, it's not a dot. 
which is how uh, you would no, imagine it's a not, pl- Yeah, it's not anything, right? You kind of you can make whatever visualization you want, but they're all wrong. Wow. Um, so the, the singular is so when I say it's singularity is physicists giving up. It is that is a short way of saying we have no way of calculating what we want to calculate at that point. And it has no shape. No, you can. Um, well, this is actually so this is the just the, the singular question. Too. So yeah. so 100 years ago, mm-hmm. Einstein writes his equations of general relativity and. Uh, he and his friends who are working on it notice this property. That is, if you push enough mass inside uh, a small radius, then you get this singularity effect where nothing can can get out. <clears throat> so the guy who actually does this calculation is uh, Carl Schwarzschild, who's actually um, fighting on the front in World War One at the time. So Incredible. he's doing calculations between artillery barrages. It's kind of crazy. Incredible. And he's in like a, he's in one of those mud trenches. That's exactly. Well, the German trenches were very nice, so they were usually. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, the British trenches were all muddy and nasty. The German trenches were famous for being concrete and well organized and warm and things. Um, this, so is a, this is an is, angle of the war I've not learned. It's very interesting. <laughs> but it yeah, makes sense. Have you been to Germany? Uh, pretty serious thing. Makes sense. Um, yeah, that's right. As far as, far as national stereotypes go, it's exactly what right. you'd expect. <laughs> Uh, so Schwarzschild is dry and safe enough, um, to do this calculation. And he writes back to Einstein and he says, what do you think this means? And Einstein says, well, it's a singularity. So it's probably just, um, a mathematical problem. That is, we say it's a non-physical solution. And this is a thing that happens sometimes when you're using equations is you get an answer that is mathematically acceptable, but physically you're pretty sure it doesn't make any sense. So you just chuck it. Not that your calculation is difficult or it's too big or you get zero. It's that you actually cannot perform that mathematical operation. Your calculator, if you put it in a calculator, mm-hmm. if they still exist, uh, the calculator <laughs> app, I guess it is, mm-hmm. and you try to, you know, you do 10 divided by zero, it'll just say E or right. error. Error. Yeah. Error. And just to be clear, for those who, who, whose eyes glaze over, whose brains glaze <laughs> over, uh, literally turn to like a jelly donut, uh, hearing even equation or math or variables or any of that stuff. Here's the thing. And I'm the same way, by the way, except I remind myself that these equations, they're not just math equations. These, this is literally how the universe works. It's it's kind of like uh, the rules that seem to govern that thing. That's the hope anyway, right? Is that yeah. your equation is accurately doing that? So so that's the question that is in front of Einstein and Schwarzschild uh, at the time. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Actually, here's the, I think I just had a, a simple uh, understanding, even better understanding of this. In math, you can write down things that are like impossible or, 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 or not necessarily impossible, but I can write down normal things, which easily have a physical version or, you know, it's like, Oh, it weighs this much. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's a thing that weighs that much. Okay. That makes sense. But I could write down, I mean, infinity, which what we're talking or, or all kinds of weird things I could write down, which are seem impossible. How could that exist? And yet, 
And that's part of, isn't that part of what Einstein was saying? He's like, well, you can yeah, write right. that down, but there's yeah, no way you for can, the world to right. do you that. You can create a self-consistent mathematics for all sorts of things that are not physically possible. That's right. um, just a kind of a fun thing to do if you're a mathematician. So it's not clear when you, so when you encounter something weird, like this prediction that uh, you'll have this singularity and this hole in space time, uh, one thing you can do is you say, well, that's just a mathematical quirk. And right. I'm not going to worry about it. Right. And another one is to say, well, if the equation's good, then it should have some physical significance. What is this thing? Right. It doesn't, would... it doesn't make sense for the equations, especially Einstein's uh, relativity, mm -hmm. to work. So we have a star. Those, those are everywhere. Mm -hmm. Countless. And uh, there's a whole lot of big ones, too. And so that's real. And you can take Einstein's equation and everything works for it. Uh, and as that star gets smaller and smaller and smaller, it starts falling into all the matter in it, starts falling in toward itself. The equation works all the way. Right. Until but, the bottom. And then at a certain point, so, so the equation tells us it's okay for this enormous star for all the mass and all the matter in it to collapse down to the size of a ping pong ball, <laughs> a solid ping pong ball. Yeah. That's cool. Einstein will tell you exact, I mean, with extraordinary accuracy, right? Right. What's going on there. It works. Uh, imagine half the, uh, the size of a pea. I mean, imagine the sun the size of a pea, let alone mm -hmm. something thousands of times bigger than the sun collapsed down to the size of a pea. Yep. Einstein says, totally fine. That's, that can happen in, in the real universe, and this is how it'll work. But yeah. the equation also says that gravity, is, is it relativity? Yeah, it is. Yes, general relativity. Yeah. yeah, general relativity says gravity will continue to pull these things closer and closer. And at this point, the gravity is stronger than the forces that keep the parts of the atom right. separated. Mm -hmm. And so, so that's in the equation too. It says, yes. Uh, yes, that's right. You need to, yeah, you've got the repulsive force. Right. You're bringing, just like we talked about with Newton's thing, but you're basically, you're bringing all the stuff closer and closer and closer together. Mm -hmm. The force of gravity itself doesn't change, but the distance between these super, super massive clumps um, gets closer and closer and closer. And then what's incredible is in the universe, if you, you absolutely could watch that somehow, <laughs> I mean, but it's really happening. It's happening all the time right now in the yep. sky. Right. This is happening. Black holes are being formed. And suddenly they do, so you could be watching this thing, all this stuff, collapse, 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 collapse. And mm -hmm. then suddenly, let's say you still, you, you can see down to the smallest thing. I mean, you have the, the ult, ultimate telescope. You would see it probably disappear. Right. You'd see it vanish. Um, and in fact, this is uh, the question of what you see as a black hole collapses um, is, is one of the fundamental problems that kind of leads to this branch of astrophysics. So it's actually J. Robert Oppenheimer of Manhattan Project fame. Who, uh, so his, um, he's studying this process of collapsing stars. And he says, okay, well, 
Well, what if you were, so if you're sitting far away and you see the star collapse, fine. What if you were sitting on the edge of the star as it collapsed? Hey, don't try this at home. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he found some strange things. So if you're riding the star, you go all the way down past the short shield radius, past the, the edge of the, the black hole, no problem. But if you're far away, and you're watching someone else ride the star, you see them get down to the edge of the short shield radius, but never quite go through it. Right. Suddenly they freeze. Yeah. So this is, this is caused by the, yeah. these distortions of space time you get around the black hole. Sure. Um, but people, Oppenheimer and friends say, well, if I could ride the edge of the star down through the short shield radius, then that must be a real thing, right? It's not just a mathematical error or a convenience, right. but it's a, an entity that we could at least hypothetically go poke with a stick. Right. And even if it, you know, it's not a person writing this thing down, but like right now, all over the universe, around every single black hole, or a lot of them anyway, stars that are nearby, are the black hole is sucking the gas off the star, the material yep. material right. is falling into black holes all over the place. All over the place. It's yep. happening over and over and over and over again. And is it partly <laughs> space time is one word. It's one okay. thing. Space time. That's, that's one of the great revelations of relativity, right? Mm -hmm. Is it that space becomes zero and time becomes infinite or st time stops? Uh, time stops. Yeah. That's right. If you're, you're watching the clock of the person who's falling into the black hole, you see their clock stop. Yeah. yeah they completely freeze. So this had, if you're Einstein or your or your Stephen Hawking or you're anybody who understands this equation, you can just, you can create a perfect simulation in your mind of watching this happen. And at the at the, suddenly everything disappears, which doesn't happen in our world. Uh, not very often now. No. Um, and I should say that since those calculations are so precise, it makes for a really good computer simulation. So there's uh -huh. a whole bunch of them out there on the internet. So if you Google falling into black hole simulation, um, you'll find some interesting ones because what you, what you see is extremely bizarre um, and uh, worth, worth expanding your mind for. Cool. So expand your Google. Yes. <laughs> um, now, I'm going to jump way ahead. Go for it. Stephen Hawking, we, we, we mentioned Hawking radiation at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we'll maybe backtrack in a second. But the idea was, what if Hawking radiation, which some, means something about that, even though that black hole just disappeared, everything seemed to fall into that inv invisible single point. Mm -hmm. And now you can't even see anything because light is all falling in it, whatever. Stephen Hawking discovered that actually energy comes out of the black hole. That's right. Something very, can get very, out. very slowly. So the question, the what the if here, what the if, in honor of <laughs> Professor Stephen Hawking, may he rest in peace and calculate forever. What if Hawking, we turned up the Hawking radiation. What if we mm -hmm. could turn up Hawking radiation with, like, with a dial to super, super high? Right All now right. it exists, but he basically yep. said black holes will eventually 
a black hole eventually evaporates. That's right. Yeah, that's the technical term. So Hawking radiation is this very slow trickle of energy and matter that comes out of black holes. Um, uh, and it's like I said, extremely slow and extremely cold. So like I was talking about earlier, it would be so cold that it's very hard to see. Um, and so it turns out to be uh, smaller black holes evaporate fast and large black holes evaporate slowly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. via Hawking radiation. Mm-hmm. So if you have a small black hole, it vanishes essentially instantly. Mm. Okay. Whereas large black holes will just hang out for a long time oozing Hawking radiation right. into the universe. Right? right. So the first consequence, if we crank our Hawking radiation uh, rate way, way up is that we might lose all our black holes. Oh, they, they could go extinct. Right. Right. So oh, this is an even more basic question. This is actually quite excellent. If you turn up Hawking radiations, make it a much higher a much faster, more energetic force. All the black holes in the universe disappear. And so now suddenly we're faced with, you didn't pay attention to them before. (laughs) Einstein didn't even think they would actually existed, Mm -hmm. even though his equation said, well, this is what would happen. So what are we taking for granted with these black holes? What are they doing for us? Yeah. (laughs) What have they done for us lately? What have black holes ever done for us? (laughs) All they do is suck. Suck the galaxy. Um, Well, there's probably a pretty good case to be made that uh, the supergiant black hole at the center of our galaxy keeps the whole thing together. That's right. So if you didn't know, there's a black hole at the center of our galaxy. In fact, there's a black hole we believe now at the center of every galaxy. It seems to be the case, yeah. And that black hole seems to, the gravity of that black hole is strong, so strong, it's able to keep the galaxy together, keep its mm-hmm. shape. That without that black hole, all the stars might scatter. Yeah, that's right. Um, and that would be unfortunate if you lived on one of those stars, right? Well, now let's think about that. So if, the, let's say the black hole... Uh, for unexplained reasons, other than two guys were doing a podcast far out on the western rim of the Milky Way galaxy on a planet that's mostly harmless, suddenly became very harmful. They uh, turned up the knob on Hawking radiation, and the black hole at the center of the Milky Way. Now, actually, this is important too. the The evaporation is not some small thing, I would think. So it doesn't just the black hole doesn't just vanish; it radiates all its energy yeah so it's it's um if it's fast enough you'd say it explodes right yeah yeah and we're turning we're turning this up to 11 so it's exploding and would that be as if a star that size went supernova uh well let's see here so it would be limited by the amount of energy it has available um and since it's produced by, so we've got our giant star, the giant star dies and collapses. Some portion of its mass turns into the black hole and then the black hole explodes because we've cranked our Hawking radiation uh, up, up too high. Right. Um, so this explosion would have to be smaller than the initial star and the initial supernova, but still pretty substantial, I would imagine. Right. And, but it blows itself apart. And so its power becomes 
greatly dispersed, not centralized anymore. Right, yeah. So for a long time, we wouldn't notice anything. Well, it's um, so it depends on exactly how how fast the rate goes. Right. So um, right now, the giant black hole at the center of our galaxy is giving off a steady stream of Hawking radiation. Um, it's mm -hmm. just so mm -hmm. dim, you can't really see it. Mm -hmm. But if we cranked it up enough that we could see it, then the black hole would look an awful lot like a star because it would just be giving off radiation continuously and smoothly. Right. Um, and then if we crank it up even further, then the black hole is going to shrink as it's, it's giving off energy so fast that it shrinks, um, and it will eventually vanish. So I kind of like the, I mean, one consequence of this would be, um, if, if we didn't get rid of all black holes instantly, it would be that all black holes would no longer be black. Oh, everything lights up all of a sudden. Everything lights up, right? Yeah. So all those dark spots in the sky that are currently just... Um, black holes would glow quite smoothly. It's like sunset at La in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, all the lights come on. And yeah, every galaxy in the sky, uh, maybe, you, maybe you would need a telescope only just to be able to see this effect, but they would suddenly be very bright. They'd have a bright star in the center. It'd be quite bright, yeah. Um, cool. And I should say, right now, there, there is a sense in which black holes right even with our level of hawking radiation are still often bright like as you mentioned you get a lot of systems where you have a star orbiting a black hole and the material of the star falls into the black hole but in the process of doing that it kind of smashes together and forms something called an accretion disk uh, which gets insanely hot and gives off x-rays actually right this so is like a black spinning ring of dust yeah that's or, right it's a on the edge of the mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, giant flaming donut surrounding uh. the black hole. <laughs> uh, it always comes back to donuts. <laughs> so if you look up in the sky, if you, see, if you saw x-rays and you looked up in the sky, you would see a lot of small pinpoints. And each mm. of those pinpoints is almost certainly a black hole. Mm, 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 mm. Um, so that's actually where we first uh, saw one, if you'll forgive the, the kind of inconsistency. The first black hole we ever see is, uh, it was called the Cygnus X1, which right. is an awesome name, right? Yeah. Uh, so Cygnus is the constellation. It's the part of the sky where it is. Yeah. And X1 just indicates it's the first X-ray anomaly. <clears throat> um, and back in the, uh, what year was it? Uh, in the 70s, um, Hawking had an argument with uh, another physicist named Kip Thorne uh -huh. about the significance of this. Of interstellar so, fame. Yeah, that's right. So Thorne, who just won the Nobel Prize recently, huh? um, Thorne says that that X-ray anomaly is definitely a black hole. And Hawking says it's definitely not. So they have a famous bet uh, on this in which um, if... Uh, if Thorne is right, then Hawking has to buy him a subscription to Penthouse. And if Hawking is right, then, <laughs> so then Thorne has to buy him a subscription to Private Eye, which was this sort of um, humor magazine in Britain uh, at the time. Too uh, And they famously, um, you know, they, this was back when Hawking could still uh, use his, um, his hands. So the two of them signed this document, and I think it's still hanging in Kip Thorne's office somewhere. <laughs> uh, and it turned out that at, after a couple of years investigation, Hawking is persuaded and he says, okay, that really is a black hole. Um, and uh, as, as Thorne tells the story, Hawking uh, sneaks into Thorne's office 
to like sign the to to concede the bet. <laughs> so when Thorn comes in the next day, see, he sees that he's won. That's awesome. And that was that was the first black hole ever truly uh, seen. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it would be totally reasonable to say that's the first black hole we see or detect. Right. So Stephen Hawking was thinking as Einstein did, and a whole lot of people did, mm-hmm. that black holes were not real. Or was he just well, thinking this he was one? Is- sure, he was pretty sure black holes were real. Uh-huh. Uh, he wasn't sure that they would be giving off x-rays in a detectable way. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Got it. So um, we've turned up Hawking radiation super high. Yeah. All the uh, centers of all the galaxies, all the black holes, and there are very likely black holes just floating around, not being oh, galaxies, right? Almost certainly. Yep. So they all of a sudden these things light up all over the place. And go, 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 and then they evaporate. Mm-hmm. Um, which, again, if you were watching that, this is what's crazy, right? And, and, and strange physics equations say that you can go, you can play them backwards or forwards in a way. Mm-hmm. Right. So just like we talked about the black hole, you would be watching all this matter crush down to the size of a ping pong ball, to the size of a pea, smaller, 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 and then boom, disappear. Totally vanish. I mean, something that had been the size of thousands of times the size of the sun mm-hmm. shrunk down and disappeared. Yep. Not so. Not not disappeared. Like oh, it's so small you can't see it. Actually, no, it actually evaporates. Completely yep. disappeared. And what Stephen Hawking figured out is that all that stuff, the the energy of all that stuff that went, fell into that hole we can say mm-hmm. comes back yeah that's right and, and in some sense that's this is wonderfully paradoxical because the the whole you know the, the the definition of a black hole is this place that nothing can escape from right so there's the sense in which hawking radiation shows us that uh, black holes aren't black at all they're just very dim right um so stuff can get can get out in the form of this radiation, essentially one particle at a time. Uh, and it turns out this raises all kinds of other strange questions, like, um, for instance, uh, information. So if I th- take um, my book, my books I wrote, and I throw <laughs> it into a black hole, um, the the black hole um, or the book has information. Right. And that's, you could calculate like how many bytes of information the book has. And I chuck the book into the black hole. I can't access that information anymore. Right. You can't read the book. Right. But then the the metaphysical question is uh, what happens to that information? Right. There was a quantified amount of information that we once had in that book. Right. And now it's hidden in the black hole. So was the information destroyed? Is it being held there? Is it stored? Because since we can't access it, it's unclear. Right. Um, now, so I'll be the- honest. This is one of those. This is a phase where this the the um, my understanding of this thing falls into the black. That's the Schwarzschild <laughs> radius, where this notion, like in in us non-physicists uh, don't walk around thinking about something as information. It's that's, just stuff. Well, that's right. It's um, but what you're computer that's, scientists do, for instance. Right, right. Um, 
So there are folks out there and, you know, a lot of our, if you're on the internet, you're dealing with information. Um, every time you talk about a gigabyte, that's a measure of information. Okay. Right? There's a good thing. So, right. So we're using the internet mm-hmm. and that, that information has to be somewhere. It's literally made up. There's atoms somewhere that mm-hmm. are conveying that information. Yeah. That's the idea or right. some, some physical state. Yeah. That's interesting. So yeah, we don't even think of it that way, but in fact, all information, as far as we know is we don't have ESP mm-hmm. uh, until we do another if about that. Okay. <laughs> That'll be a good one. But all information ultimately has to have some physical um, manifestation. It exists as mm-hmm. matter somewhere. It could be on a hard drive. It could be flying down a fiber optic cable. Yeah, that's right. So it does, strictly speaking, it doesn't have to be matter because it could be light. Okay, fascinating you said that because light is exactly what falls into the black hole. Yes, that's right. Right? Yep. Which is hard to imagine, but that's that's, that's actually it, yep. one of the most important points. It just gets sucked in and hangs out there. Even light, a beam of light gets bent towards the center of the black hole and keeps going down, 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 and the light goes into the black hole and it disappears. If that light was carrying information, like you were doing a Google search, yeah, and a laser was sending you that information, but it, you missed it, your, your laser receiver missed it, mm-hmm. something was misaligned. Yes, Sorry, so it goes into a black hole instead. That information went out into space and might actually almost with certainty, would eventually fall into a black hole? Uh, Well, that's kind of a cosmological question, but yes, but it's not hard to imagine it falls in. Right. And everything is lost. And and here's here's what's fabulous. Stephen Hawking, who just died, told us that actually things that seem to have disappeared, that for Mm -hmm. a long time we thought, even Einstein, well, once it became real, I suppose, the black holes the question became well everything seems to disappear in it and he he was the one who discovered that's not true that the information yeah, we actually a, can get it back that's a nice way to think about that I like that this is the called the black hole information paradox right. and the question is can you get information out of the black hole via Hawking radiation so if you're trapped inside could you communicate with someone outside um, and the answer is totally unclear so we need a, a grand unified theory for that Oh, yes. And the march of science goes on. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And I got to say that this is the most clarity I've had, the best understanding I've had of what Stephen Hawking is famous for. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Just like with with Einstein, um, many people don't know exactly why he's famous. They just know certain things and uh, don't know the story. So this is excellent. I'm going to go back and read um, a brief history time yeah i may start by watching the movie there's even a briefer history of time actually too if you you don't want to get through the whole thing that's right that's right that's Mm -hmm. excellent also it's funny it reminds me neil tyson has a book out now called uh something like astrophysics for busy people yeah (laughs) great um well thank you very much so if if Hogging radiation were turned up infinitely high. Basically, we get back everything that was lost. That's right. <laughs> I don't know what we would do with that. That would be the yep, next part. That's right. And it might be all kind of mashed up, like it's gone through a blender. But. Right. Exactly. 
but it's coming at you. Watch out. (laughs) (laughs) You're in for a crazy ride. Well, thank you, Matt, for this um, incredible journey into a black hole. Certainly. Very cool. Tonight, there's a special event. Do you want to just give a quick shout out? Oh, yeah, that's right. I should have had the info. This will probably go up after it's over. Sort of in celebration of... uh, uh, Einstein's birthday. We're having a lovely event um, via Astronomy on Tap, where we'll be having some performances from a, uh, a some puppet performances of a play about Einstein, and then a few physicists and myself um, talking about the man. Will you be in puppet form? I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> oh, this is going to be good. I will be there tonight as well. Um, if you were there and you happen to see one of us. Say, did you say hello? I don't know. That information hasn't come out yet. (laughs) Thank you. uh, Thank you all for listening. Um, There's more and more of you every week around the world, which is kind of amazing. Uh, We we got a nice note from Dublin, I believe, recently. Mm -hmm. um, So uh, do let us know where you are. We really want to know. We love hearing about it, and uh, we'd love to hear what you think of the show. Um, Tons of people have just you know on twitter have said to me things like wow this is exactly my kind of thing awesome and and that's fantastic so uh hit me up on twitter what the if show at what the if show or send us an email feedback at what the if.com you can also go to our website what the if.com and you can learn all about us um we don't yet have puppet versions of ourselves posted there but it sounds like maybe i don't know i can't confirm or deny either it's something that may be coming in puppet form. You can read about our our backgrounds and uh, see all uh, see and listen to all the episodes. And at the end of every one, you can hear me stepping on my own line, saying, "Why am I saying <laughs> see them? Because it's only audio." It's, it's one of the, this is one of the great paradoxes. It's a tradition now. It's a tradition. Um, and uh, also send us. I'll, I'll put out the word again. But we love featuring ideas from you. We love using your questions about the universe to if give us something to if we'll if it we'll if it and when we do we can't help but shout into the universe until our thoughts fall into all the black holes (laughs) if you were to evaporate all the black holes from five minutes from now you would hear us saying what the, the if, 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 if. If.